So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, O oh God. We bless your name. We praise you, Lord. Have your own way, Holy Spirit. Have your own way, Holy Spirit. Have your own way, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts this morning, O oh God. Speak to our hearts. that the revelation of your word will come to us. Let the entrance of your words bring light and understanding unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless us so much. Amen. So I, I, I'd have to go. I came from one of our branches. I'd have to go to two other branches. So when I finish the word, I just want to go straight into the word. When I finish, Vicky will take over. Hallelujah. So I'm doing the part two of the series, The Secret Place. The secret place. Last week we learned that the secret place is an environment that is designed by God to be a living place. It is something that God has designed to be a living place which the enemy cannot find and which the natural senses cannot find. And the reason is because God wants us to be safe. And so the secret place is a place of safety. It is a place where God keeps us. But it's a place that God does not want us to just come and go in. Like you just come in and then you go out. It is a place God wants us to stay in. And in staying in that place, his desire is that you and I will be safe. So the secret place is also called the hiding place. In fact, it is a place that we hide. Not because we are afraid of the enemy. We hide because we know that we can have absolute safety in that place. The secret place is a place that the enemy cannot find. It's a place where the broken systems of the world cannot attack us. It is a place where God keeps us safe from our own inclinations to make wrong choices. Because as you walk through life, you know, sometimes the most dangerous thing to you is not the devil attacking you. Sometimes the most dangerous thing to you in life is your own propensity to make mistakes. And to make wrong choices. Because one wrong choice can land you in some trouble, I mean, for the rest of your life. There are people who have made wrong choices in marriage and they are in trouble. There are people who have made wrong choices in business and they are in trouble. There are people who have made wrong choices in, in different things, different areas of their lives. And they are in big trouble. God's desire is that he will save us from anything that will harm us. Anything that will threaten our lives. Anything that will bring destruction to our lives. And the final thing we learned last week was that in the secret place, one of the ways in which God keeps us safe is that he instructs us. He teaches us. He guides us. And that's the best thing I love about the secret place. Because when I get to know the will of God, when I get to know the counsel of God, when I get to know the purposes of God concerning my life, it, it narrows my life. In fact, it narrows your choices. It narrows your decisions. It helps you to, to, to keep focus. It helps you to make decisions that will keep you away from all forms of trouble. And that's a secret place. Because for some of us, there are many counsels that are flying around us. But if you stay in the secret place, God will give you the counsel that will lead you into safety. Hallelujah. And so in that secret place, God teaches us. And then he guides us with his eyes. So today we are going to discover another important truth about the secret place. And this is a scripture that I have battled with this week. 
and, and, and when I battle with a scripture like that, I know God has something amazing for us. Hallelujah. So we're going to turn our Bibles to Psalm 18 verse 11. Psalm 18 verse 11. Very, very interesting passage there. He says, he made darkness his secret place. He made what? Darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Now, when you read this verse alone, you might not really get the sense of the verse. In fact, when I read this passage the first time, I was, I was startled. I was amazed because um, how would, why would God make darkness his secret place? Uh, why would God, a God of light, make darkness his secret place? And I was like, there, there needs to be more to this than what we are seeing. In fact, in the book of Job, Job chapter 30 verse 26, darkness is spoken of as something that has to do with evil. So he says, when I looked for good, evil came to me. And when I waited for light, then came darkness. So Job is actually comparing darkness to evil. And saying that, I was waiting for good and evil came to me. I was looking for light and what? Darkness came to me. In other words, whatever evil that came to Job, Job described it with darkness. So the question is, why would God make darkness his secret place? The last time I read about God... The Bible says in John 1 verse 6 to 9 that he is light. In fact, it says he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And this was spoken about Jesus. In Psalm 36 verse 9, he says that for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we shall see what? Light. It means he has light. In 1 John 1 verse 5, the Bible says there is no darkness at all in him. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says he is in the light. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, the Bible says he dwells in unapproachable light. Light you can't even approach. He dwells in it. So, so you look at it and then 1, 1, Timothy, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he translated us from darkness into his marvelous light. Psalm 104 verse 2 says, he covers himself with, with light as with a garment. So everything shows God is a God of light. God is light. God dwells in light. God is in light. God is overshadowed with light. Everything about God says what? God is light. So why do we have this seeming contradiction in the scripture where the Bible says that he makes darkness a secret place? Now, to understand this, it's very important for us to look at this whole psalm in context, Psalm 18. In fact, Psalm 18 is one psalm that I would encourage all of us to read. Because Psalm 18 actually captures the whole of David's life in one psalm. Psalm 18 is actually known as the psalm where David wrote, in fact, it says that it is a psalm of, the, of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord, the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is a psalm that David wrote at the time God had delivered him from all his enemies and from Saul. I don't know why they separated Saul. Maybe Saul, Saul's, uh, Saul was in a whole different category. One commentator said David would have forgiven Saul at the end of I mean, Saul's life, so Saul was no longer an enemy. That's why they said from all his enemies and from Saul. But I think Saul, Saul was a whole enemy on his own. 
But God had delivered David from the hands of Saul and from the hands of all his enemies. And when you read David's life, David had been through a lot of dark moments. He had been through a lot of trouble. From the time David was in the wilderness, in fact, neglected by his family, when you read the accounts, he was left at the backside alone with the sheep. And, and the Bible makes us know that he was there and there was a lion that came. There was a bear that came. Can you imagine the danger this 17-year-old boy had to go through alone at the backside? At the time they were coming to anoint someone to be king of Israel, they didn't even remember that there was someone called David. So it shows you what kind of person David was. Then when he was anointed king, you and I would expect that when David is anointed king, straight away he should become king. But from day one after his anointing was trouble. David had to face Goliath. David had to go and play for Saul in the, in the palace. Saul wanted to kill David for 13 years. Saul made it his whole objective. Instead of taking care of Israel, his whole objective was to chase after David. For 13. Can you imagine? 13 years. So David will run from a cave. He will end up before the Philistines. He will end up here. 400 people who were destitute gathered, I mean, around David. They were in debt. They said, we want you to be our captain. At the point when they thought that they had gained grounds, they went to fight, came back, and then all their children and their wives were captured. Plus everything. And the people wanted to stone David. David went and recovered everything. David had gone through so much. Can you imagine you anointed a king? And because you are before Abimelech, who is a, a foreign king, you have to pretend to be a madman, put saliva all over your beard, and then they tell you, I mean, drive him away. That is the kind of thing that David went through. He went through hell. He went through a very difficult moment. He went through a very hard time. In fact, at the time David even became king, his own son Absalom revolted against him. David went through pressure. Very difficult moment. But in this psalm, David is writing, and God makes darkness a secret place. And his pavilion is thick, what? Clouds and dark waters. So he's employing three metaphors here. Darkness, dark waters, and thick clouds. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. So when you look at this passage, to understand why David used the word darkness, dark waters, and thick clouds, we are going to break the verse into two parts. The very first part of the verse says what? He made darkness his secret place. The second part says his canopy around him was what? Dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. The first part of this passage shows us what God does to his people in the secret place. So darkness can represent many things. But in this context, it is representing affliction. It is representing the adversities that we go through. So God can allow us to go through adversities and afflictions in life. He allows us to go through difficult moments in life. He allows us to go through life-threatening situations. Sometimes you go through something and you ask, God, where are you? I don't know how many of you have ever asked God, where are you? Sometimes you're going through something and you, you feel like you are losing your mind. Sometimes you go through something and then you cry so much. Like, God, I don't even know whether this God is real. David was in that situation. And so when you read the previous verses, he says in verse 4 of the same Psalm 18, The pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. 
The sorrows of shawl or hell surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. So David clearly went through a very difficult moment. In fact, he says death was staring in his face. When you read other Psalms, the Bible says that there was a time that his bones, his bones were even dry because David would sleep outside, just being chased. So you'd be outside in the cold, in all of that. David went through all of this and his, his conclusion was that God makes the darkness what? His secret place. Because by the time David is writing this psalm, he had realized that the dark things that God allowed him to go through were not meant to destroy him, but were meant to do something good in his life. And David could conclude and say that the darkness that he had gone through, which was a wilderness period, was not something that the enemy had done, but was something that God allowed him to go through. Because each of us will go through our wilderness period. God will use darkness to accomplish something in your life. God is not the, he, he's not in darkness. He, he dwells in light. But God uses darkness to take us through a certain season in life so he can bring out something inside of us. And that is part of being in the secret place. Now, another way in which God uses darkness to work, work on us is that sometimes he will not let you go through the wilderness period, but you allow the devil to attack. He will allow the enemy to come, like Job's story. Have you considered myself? That story, it wasn't Satan who went to us first. It was God who started the conversation. Have you considered my servant Job? I mean, Job is sitting in somewhere. <laughs> like we say in Ghana. He's sitting in somewhere. He hasn't asked for any trouble. Have you considered my servant Job? It's like, it's like God, God is calling for trouble. It's like, like Satan, I, I, I can see you don't have any work. I want you to... Literally, that's what he's saying. Have you considered my servant Job? It's like, I'm sure God looks at Satan like, today you don't have any work to do. Let me give you one. And sometimes God will allow the enemy to come. The enemy wants to attack you. He wants to fight against your health. He wants to fight against your family. He wants to fight against your, uh, your marriage. He wants to fight against many things in your life. And God will permit him to come. And when the enemy is coming, he doesn't come mercifully. He comes mercilessly. He comes with everything can come against you. And God will be watching. Not that God cannot do anything about it. But one of the secrets about the secret place is that God would allow darkness to come. And whenever God allows the darkness to come, whether through a wilderness period or whether through the orchestrations of the wicked one, it is to accomplish three major things in our lives. The first one is that it is to make us find ourselves in the secret place. Trusting more in God and totally depending on Him. How many of you have realized that in your darkest moment, that's when you went to God? You spent, you, that's the time that you broke down and you went before God and said, God, I can't do anything without you. Some of you, whenever we say we should fast, you never fast. But when God allows you to go through a dark moment, you, no one tells you to fast. You, you fast for seven days. Uh, you, you, like, every prayer meeting, you are there. I mean, when we are not even organizing prayer meeting, you appear in the church because you are in a very dark season of your life. And God will push you to a place where you realize that he is the only one that you need. So sometimes God is going to use the darkness from the secret place to get you back into the secret place. Because a lot of us, we will not come to God if everything was alright. So, 
I'm telling you, if God, some of you, your prayer points, eh? if God answered half of them today, ha! when I call you, I won't even get you. Like, my call will not even come through. <laughs> because every, everything is cool. It, it is all right with you. So sometimes God is going to use the darkness to get you to the place where you'll be stripped of everything and realize that it is only God you need. Last week I was reading an interview with one of the new EC uh, persons and she's now a priest, an Anglican priestess. Priest, I mean she's a female but she's a priest. And, and she said that God used her divorce to bring her to the place of, of knowing that God is God. You know, that it, was, it had to be a hard and painful thing. God does not want divorces to come. But, but she had gone her own way and God said, okay, I know how to get you to the place where you will seek after me. So God allowed that. And then brought her to the place where she was sick of her. You see, God will take you through the wilderness period. God would allow Satan to come. Any gospel that tells you there is no affliction in Christianity is a dead gospel. Any gospel that tells you you are not supposed to suffer in Christ is a dead gospel. Because everything in the Bible shows that God would allow you to go through some sufferings. In order to bring you to the place where you can come back into the secret place. Another thing, the second thing that God does with the darkness is that he works in us character that will sustain us when he elevates us. Because you see, when God is elevating you and taking, taking you up and up, if he doesn't bring a certain darkness to change something in your life, you, you would end up destroying everything that he takes you to do. So guess what? Moses raised as an Egyptian raised in the palace of Pharaoh. In fact, when you read the history, Moses and um, Ramesses, where Ramesses was the, was, was the grandson of, of Pharaoh, and, and Moses was also the son to uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And both of them were being raised to take charge of Egypt. And, and Moses, can you imagine? He had the best of education in Egypt. He had a, a glorious lifestyle. And yet God said, I am going to take you to lead my people of Israel through the wilderness, two million people. I can't let you have this in you, otherwise you kill all the two million people. <laughs> because, I mean, an Egyptian messed up, and Moses killed him and buried him. The next time, two, two Israelites were fighting, and Moses, I'm sure if he had the option, he would have killed one of them and put them somewhere. God said, I have to take Egypt out of you so you can lead my people. So God took him through a dark season for 40 years. 40 years to take away all of Egypt out of him. Then he now takes them through the wilderness period when they have gotten out of Egypt. Because you think that after Egypt, they should, everything should be all right. But God takes them through the wilderness. And do you know what the Bible says? It says, I will take you through the way of the wilderness lest you get into the land and then you run away because of the beasts. So God knew that if they get into the promised land and they see war, he says because of the beast and war, if they see war and they see the beast in the promised land, they'll run away. So God says, I'll take you through the wilderness so that I can build character in you and build capacity in you so that by the time you get to the promised land, you have what it takes to be able to subdue the promised land. That's why some of you, God is not hearing what you are saying. Because he is still dealing with you. It would have taken only 11 days to get to the promised land. But God took them two years. And by the close of two years, says, now you are ready to go to the promised land. Guess what? They added 38 more years to it. 
And, 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 and sometimes that's what we do because God is working in us. He's using the darkness to build character, but we are not submitting to the character building process. So by the end of the two years, when God says it's time for you to go into your promised land, you're not ready. So you're, you're adding more years to it. And when you're adding more years to it, you're coming, Pastor, please pray for me. Pastor, please. And God says that, no, your time is up. By now, by now you should have finished the school of character training. But you haven't finished, so you are not ready. He uses the darkness to work in us character. Like this morning I was saying in the ministry class, sometimes some of you, God will put you in a department where someone will test your patience. The person is very annoying, but it's because God wants to what, build character inside of you. Uh, you, you, want to, you want to be a great person? Oh, get ready for darkness. God is going to use darkness to work inside of you and root out things you never thought were there. Yeah. I was sharing with some pastor friends this past week. And I was saying that I never knew there were some things in my heart until this past two months that God has been seriously throwing his light on my heart and showing me that, ah, this one was there and this one was there and that one was there. And he's, he's working on me. Because if God is going to give you something great, he has to make sure that you have the character to handle it. Otherwise, by the time you get there, the thing will destroy you. Yeah, some of you... Some of you say, oh, I'm, never, I'm not proud. Me, I'm not proud. Wait till what makes you proud comes your way. Then you realize you are proud. So now God has to deal with that pride inside of you. So by the time you get there and God gives you whatever he gives you, you will not be proud. Because the pride will destroy you. Some of you think, oh, that's for me. Me, I'm not a womanizer. I don't chase women. Wait till you get what can make you chase women. Then when you get it, you realize that it is in you. So God will use darkness to deal with that thing inside of you. So he will withhold money from you. Because when you get money, you will chase the woman. So for a long time, you will not have the money. He will only give you what, what will sustain you. And it's not because he's a wicked God. It's because he's rooting something out of you. By the time he's dealt with you, he cannot release all the money in the world and you will not chase after any girl. Character. The third thing that God does with darkness is that he brings to our attention valuable lessons that will become our wisdom for safety. For some of us, what you are going through now, God is giving you valuable lessons for wisdom. That will become your safety in life. Because you see, where God is going to take you to, now you talk, when you talk, you talk very loosely. Oh, you, 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 can, you can talk without guarding what you are saying. And God says, where I am going to take you to, if you keep on talking like this, <laughs> the trouble that will come will be, will be very, very serious. So do you know what God does? God will allow you to have a friend who will betray you because you will say something and the person will go and say it to another person. Then it will hurt you so much and in your moment of hurt and pain, you will learn a lesson that I have to learn how to say what I say. I have to learn how to talk. That becomes a valuable lesson because in 10 years' time, you might become the minister for something, something, something. And you'll be in your office sharing some things with someone. And God wants to keep you from sharing a secret that will become a scandal. So God builds that in you now. He uses the darkness of this moment to give you valuable lessons for the future. So God uses secret, what, darkness as, what, as a secret place. And a lot of believers don't understand this truth. So, so sometimes when we are going through some difficult moments, God, why me? The popular question. Why not you? <laughs> Should it be me? Why you? <laughs> why you? Because you are praying and trusting God. God, I want to be this. God, I want to be that. God, God says, if you want to be that, then I'll take you to the school. 
If you are going to be this, then I'm going to take you what? through the school. If you are going to be that, then I'm going to take you through the school. You have to go through it so that God can get you where he wants you to be. So look at these amazing passages that will give you comfort. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. God commands our light to shine out of darkness. So in your dark moment, God will not leave you alone because there's light going to come come out of what? Out of that darkness in Daniel 2 verse 22. He says, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. God reveals what? Deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. He knows what, God knows what is in the darkness. He will reveal deep and secret things to you because what? They are in the darkness. Oh, Job 12 verse 22 says, He uncovers deep things out of darkness and brings the shadow of death to light. God uncovers deep things out of darkness. Very, very deep things. In Psalm 18 verse 34, He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Do you know how David was able to write this? Because God took him through a dark moment. So now he says, God now teaches my hands to make war. At the first time when the war was coming, I'm sure they were like, God, why? Why me? Then when God took him to different wars, he now could say that God teaches man. Some of you, God is teaching your hand for something. And that is why he's taking you to that thing. By the time you are done with that lesson, you will know how to do something. God would have taught your hands for something. In Psalm 139 verse 12, he says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. When I read this scripture, God, to God, what you are considering darkness is light. The darkness and the light are both alike to God. God doesn't see anything called darkness. For him, everything you are calling darkness is light. Because the Bible says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So for God, everything, whether it is dark or light in your life, is all working together for your good. So God doesn't see darkness. He sees both darkness and light as light. Because in his plan, it is all working together for your good. So I'm sure sometimes when we are crying, God's like, why are you crying? Because... You are seeing it as darkness, but he's seeing it as light. He's like, why are you crying? Because this thing is working for you. Like, no, why, why are you crying? Oh, it, it's working for you. Why are you shedding tears? It's, what, it's working for you. Romans 8.28. We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the other aspect of darkness is not just the process God takes us through, but darkness is also the calamity that the, that the Lord brings on the, on the enemy. So, apart from God working on us, God also comes from a place of darkness so the enemy cannot see what he's doing. And that is part of the secret place of keeping us safe. So, when you read the verse 7 to 10 of the same Psalm 18, it says, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken. Because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. 
and he flew upon the wings of the wind. Hallelujah. So what he's saying is that, what, what David is saying is that, after he called upon the Lord, then God began to shake, cause an earthquake, cause a lot of things to happen. And do you know what he does? At that moment, the enemy does not know what God is about to do. See, the thing about God is that he allows the devil to have a free ride for a while. Then all of a sudden, he steps in and the devil is confused because he doesn't know what God is about to do with that. So God turns the darkness now against the enemy. So a typical example is when Pharaoh was chasing the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Guess what? The Bible says he put a pillar of cloud. And when he put a pillar of cloud between the children of Israel and the children of Egypt, to the Israelites it was light. To the Egyptians it was darkness. It's the same pillar. But to the children of Israel it was what? Light. To the children of Egypt it was what? Darkness. So they could not locate the people of Israel throughout the whole night. By the time they could locate them, they had crossed the Red Sea and the sea came upon them. Can I tell you that when the enemy thinks he's working against you and he's fighting against you, God is using it as a double-edged sword. On the one side, he's using it to work on you, but on the other side, it becomes darkness to the enemy because the enemy cannot know what God is about to do next. So when the enemy thinks he has finished your life, all of a sudden, God says, it is now time for me to step in. And when God steps in, he changes all of that which the enemy was using against you and he begins to use it in your favor. Wow. That's the beautiful thing I love about God. He takes what the enemy is doing, uses it for our own good and uses it against the enemy. So whichever way you look at it, Satan has lost. No, whichever way you look at it, Satan has what? Unfortunately, he's not learning the lesson. So when, I am, when I'm crying and my pillows are wet, I say, like, God, why me? God, why is this? Why is that? God says, don't worry. It's working something in you. At the same time, when the devil is jubilating and rejoicing, we have got there, we have got there, we have got there. God says, oh, continue jubilating. Because the very thing that he was using to destroy you is the very thing that God will use to open the next door for your life. And that's the secret in the secret place. He, he uses darkness as what? His secret place. So God shocks the enemy. That's why it is written of Jesus that had the, prince of the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified him. When they were crucifying Jesus, I'm sure Satan and his cohorts were having a party. Oh, finally, this guy is dead. And I like the way one man, one man put it. One man of God put it this way. He said that the day Jesus died, you know, the Bible says he descended. So when he died, Satan and the cause were having party. They were jubilating, they were dancing. Then Jesus went and then knocked on the door. When he knocked on the door, see, they are not expecting anyone. Like this party, no gate crashes. It is just those of us inside. Now, Jesus, this is someone's insinuation. Jesus knocks on the door and then Satan tells one of the small demons, go and check with them. Maybe another demon did not come early. So let the person come. I mean, he goes and then he opens the door. Immediately he opens the door, he sees light. And then he says, this one, I can't see. Satan, please go and see. It's a visitor for you. And then when, when Satan gets there, and he opens the door, and then he sees bright light. Jesus says, give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. And Satan says, take the keys. I can't. So he takes the keys of hell and death. That's what the Bible says. He took the keys of hell and death. Someone is trying to give a story to the keys of hell and death. 
But I'm sure that when they crucified Jesus and he said, it is finished. And the Bible says there was darkness all over the earth. And he said, that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was total darkness. I'm sure the devil was like, we have got him finally. There's, there's the end of his life. But in the midst of the darkness, God said, I am carrying the sins of the world. I am carrying the weight of the world. I'm carrying the death of the world. I'm carrying everything on that cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did not take him from the cross. God said, you have to finish this assignment. And on that cross, he was there carrying our sins. By the time he said it is finished, it was time for him to make a public spectacle of the enemy. So sometimes you might be hanging on the cross and there will be darkness all over around you and it looks like God is silent. But I'm here to tell you that the fact that God is allowing you to go through that is not an indication that he has left you. It's an indication that he's about to spoil the enemy and give you victory. Oh, shout a big amen. So God is the one who uses darkness as a secret place. In one sense, he's working in us. In another sense, he's surprising the enemy. And the thing is that the enemy does not know when God is about to cause a surprise. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't know when God will cause your lifting. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. So you allow it to happen. You allow it to come. Oh, yes, he, he will do everything. He will push everything. But God says, don't worry. I want you to go through it. I want you to go through it. Because I'm about to do something spectacular in your life. Like for instance, when Vicky and I were going to get married and we're going through our dark season. I mean, everything was fighting against the marriage. I mean, every day you have a drama. Today is this, tomorrow that. Today this. I mean, I, was, I grew so lean. My trousers could not fit me. Like, I mean, I mean, it was terrible. Like, when I hear the next call, then my heart beats. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you receive death threats. You are called to the police station. You are, all sorts of things. Drama. Every day. Nigerian movie. We actually said we had part 200 and something. Because every day there was something. Every day. And it was difficult, but God was working something. It was, it was hard, but God was working something. It was tough, but God was working something. Guess what? After we got married, we have had, I think, five people also have similar situations and they have all married. Because now God built capacity in us to be able to tell them that you to go, you can marry. So when you are going through it, God is not only working in you, but he's working for other people. And that's the secret in the secret place. So if I one day I should preach a message, the value of the darkness. Because if we understand this, then, then you'll be at rest in God. Because you know that God will do it. Even now that I'm preaching to you, I might go through another dark season. I don't know how it will be like. But all I can say is what I am saying to you. That I will trust God. That in that dark moment, he is still working everything together for my good. Now, the second part of the psalm is what I'm going to end with. He says his canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. The very first part, we don't like to hear it. Oh, that God is using darkness to work on me. This second part is the part that you like. He says his canopy around him was what? Dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. If you want to understand the second part, let's read the verse 12 to verse 14 of Psalm 18. He says, from the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe. Lightning is in abundance, and he vanquished them. 
In fact, some Bible commentators think that David literally saw God rain down hailstones and coals of fire on his enemies. I mean, it's, it's very possible. It's not written in the scriptures. It's very possible. Some believe that God allowed the lightnings and the winds and the fires to come and then destroy David's enemies. It's very possible. It's not recorded in the scriptures. But when you read this passage very well, you see how God comes against the enemy. So what he's saying is that in the secret place for your safety, God will be working on you. But for your safety, God will come against the enemy in a way that the enemy cannot stand. In fact, last Thursday, there was, um, uh, I learned there was a serious storm in this area. A serious wind that blew and, in fact, there were hailstones. There were, there were ice. There was ice raining in Amaya on, on Thursday. Yeah. And... And, and guess what? It was so chaotic that this our signage that we have put on top of our building, that has been there for all this while, it fell. I've seen billboards on the, red, on the, on the stretch were broken. In fact, the canopy to the wine shop is, is being torn apart. I can imagine. I wasn't here. I was in a conference. I, I can imagine what was really happening. But it was all confusion and chaos and scattering of things. And that is the picture that David is trying to paint. That when God is coming against the enemy, it's not, it's not negotiation. So it is not cool. In fact, he comes against him in a way that, because he says, when I called on the Lord, then the Lord became angry. Ah, so I was like, God, but when the devil was doing all that, weren't you angry? No, no. I, if, if the devil is fighting against you, I am God. You are my son. Immediately the devil comes. I should be angry. Oh, devil, get away. But God allows the devil to do what he's doing. Then when his time is up, as if all that time God wasn't angry. When his time is up, he says, I'm not angry. Why are you doing this? And God now comes in full force and fights the enemy. So guess what? When David was writing this psalm, you read commentaries and you realize that the Bible says that by the time David was giving the kingdom to Solomon, there was rest all around Solomon. So for 40 years, no one came to attack Solomon. Why? Because God fought the enemies of David in a way that they would not venture to come against Solomon. So when God is fighting your battle from the secret place for your safety, he's not just fighting for you. He's going to fight in a way that the devil cannot come against your children, that the devil cannot come against your grandchildren. Because by the time God disconfits the enemy, the enemy say that this, this, this place, that it's a danger zone. We will not go there again. So he says that he does that with lightning. He does that with hailstone. He does that with winds. He does that with coals of fire. So God will come with a lot of confusion against the camp of the enemy. And then they will say, as for these people, we can't touch them again. Oh, look, when we're going through those difficult moments before our marriage, it was as if it would never end. It was why? Why all these things? But when God fought, everything come down like this. Everything come down like this. Just like that. Oh, on that Saturday, it was like as if we never had any battle. Everything comes down like this. So God knows how to fight. God knows how to fight. So David concluded with this. He said in Psalm 18, verse 1, verse three, one, one to 3, this is how he started the psalm. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You see, David has seen God's goodness so much that he says, I love the Lord. He says that God is my strength. God is the one whom I will trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. Oh, I'll call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I pray that this will be your story. That when God is done with the darkness in your life from the secret place, you can also say that God is my strength. God is my portion. God is my deliverer. God is my joy. God is my everything. Because you would have had first-hand experience of what God can do in your life. In that same psalm, um, David wrote verse 28 to 30, he says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. Then he says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. As for God, his way is what? Perfect. After all that David had gone through, his conclusion was, as for God, his way is what? Perfect. Oh, whatever you are going through, I want you to know that as for God, what? His way is what? Perfect. God is not going to allow you to go through something that will destroy you. Whatever he's allowing you to go through is because he's building you up in the secret place. He's trying to get you to a certain place. As for God, his way is what? Perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. He says, for by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Wow. By God, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. When God, when God works in you, eh, you will do things that will amaze you. Because it's like, at first I couldn't do this. How can I do that? Because God has used it to build a certain capacity in you. And, and as long as I know that God is taking you somewhere, oh, I want you to get ready because God is going to use darkness from the secret place to work something amazing inside of you. So David concluded with this in verse 50. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. So now at the conclusion of this psalm, David says, God is not only showing mercy to me, but he's showing mercy to my descendants forevermore. That is why when you look through the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, any time any of the kings of Judah misbehaved, God will always make this statement, for the sake of my servant David. For the sake of my servant David. That is the reason why the lineage was never destroyed. For the sake of my servant David. You know what? God is doing something in you, not just for you, baby, but for your children and for your children's children, and for your children's children's children. So he will continue to work so that one day, for the sake of your children's children, your great-grandchildren who, who will be doing, maybe a great-grandchild who will be doing something, 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 something that they are not supposed to do. Because of you, God will show mercy to them. Yeah. Because of you, God will show what? Mercy to them. So he uses darkness as a secret place. Today, if there's anything I want you to go out of this place, I want you to know that consider all your afflictions as God's tools to get you where he wants you to be. Consider all the dark moments as part of God's tools to get you where, where he wants you to be. 
Because he is going to bring out the best in you. To conclude, those days, in the olden days, I know now technology has developed, but those days, when you wanted to develop a film, whenever we took pictures, you know we used to use films, and you wanted to develop it, they don't develop it in the light. They develop the film in the dark. Because it is in the dark that the picture that you are taking would actually come out. But in the dark, whilst it is in the dark, you see, when you take those days, if you ever, if you ever held any of those films, when you take the picture, it looks like a ghost in the film. Uh, how many of you have seen the, you, you saw those outlines? It looks like a ghost. It was never a clear picture. It, it, it didn't look like anything beautiful. It's like, ah, by all this effort you put in to take it, this is, what, this is what came out. But it's only because it needs darkness to bring it out. So they keep the film in the dark. Whatever photo process it goes through, by the time it comes out of the dark, you, and they wash it and then they print out your whatever, you see your picture full, clear, beautiful, nice, just like it was taken. You know, between the time God takes that picture of you and the time he's about to manifest you, it's a process of darkness. But he will use the darkness to develop you. And by the time he's through, the real picture of who you are supposed to be will come out. When God is taking the picture, he's only telling you, I'm going to make you this. I'm going to make you that. I'm going to make you that. You'll become great. You'll lead this. How many of you have realized that is when God is saying it is so beautiful? You will do it so nice. Hey, especially when they call you in the gathering and say, Come here, I can see a prophecy. Your number is 02 something, something, something. And then and I can see you stay at uh, this side and time. And your car number is this. Ah, I can see God. God says you are going to be this. Then that day, like when you are going, other people are crying in the service. So like, like God, where are we? But you, when you are going, like, oh, God is good. Oh, God is good. Oh, God. God, the prophecy has come. Hey, on top of that. Then the next time you go for another meeting, because God will always remind you that there's something great ahead of you. Then another message will come. Like, this and that and that is going to happen. Oh, God is good. Then, just, you think that like, because God has said it, like, Charlie, everything should be working. Then the next moment, there is this that you didn't expect to happen. And then another moment, there is this that you didn't expect. Then another moment, there is another thing you didn't expect to happen. Then sometimes God will bring about five of them together. And they are all crashing to you, crashing on you at the same time. Your finance is having this. Your this is having that. Your that is having that. And you are crying, God, where are you? God says, I'm developing you in the dark. I am doing something amazing. And you are crying, God, where are you? Then God says, oh, this level is building strength in you. Then God says, where are you? You say, God, where are you? Then God says, this one is building patience in you. Then God says, where? I mean, every time you're asking God, where are you? And God is using it to build something in you. Then by the time God looks at you, he says, ah, now this one is developed in the dark. Let's wash it in the light. And then all of a sudden, people see you and they say, where was he all along? They say, ah, all of a sudden, they are saying all of a sudden, but you know that it is not an all of a sudden, but God has been at work all this while, only to make you manifest the way he wants you to be manifested. If you take the photo out of the dark before it goes through the process, the picture will not come out clear. That's why they are patient to leave it in the dark till it is fully developed before they bring it out. I'm telling you, take your time and be in that place. Let God work on you. Let God work in you. Let God finish his work. And when God is done and he brings you out, 
it will only be beautiful just like he said it. Nothing short of that, just like he said it. I just want you to lift up your voice and begin to pray. Tell the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me through the process.